0: It all I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. Rounded by your glory, one will To my knees, will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine. See if the imagination can take us to the imagination of God in its overall form. This has been a hard show. With Ernest and Old Fox get out of here. Chocolate Storm coming home to enjoy you. And this morning, this Sunday morning imagine, morning, imagine being with God, baby. When all life the ultimate high of any individual is forever. Forever worship. <laughs> you. That self conscious is a strong thing. Let it float you on and on and on. Good morning, I can Columbia. Only imagine. This has been hard and with Ernest. Coming home, baby. This is Studebaker John. Keep on listening to the Blues. The Blues on Broadway Show. On KOPN eighty nine point five Columbia, Missouri.
1: to Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything in K.O.P.M.
0: Way Race to us.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Radio Orbit for Sunday, the 15th of August, 2004. This is Mike Hagan. I'm your host weekly, every Sunday morning, late Saturday night, coming in at 2 o'clock in the morning and heading back home at 5 a.m., talking to you for three hours about the strange and unexplained and mysterious phenomenon that happen all around our world and all around our universe, and tonight we'll be... No different. We uh, have an interesting show lined up for you all tonight. My guest is, uh, actually I have two guests. The first is, uh, well they'll be on together I guess. So uh, Kelly Naylor and John Cranshaw, both from the School of Metaphysics here in Columbia. And uh, John and Kelly will be with me in about an hour. And uh, until then, we'll catch up on some stories that are in the news, and uh, do a space weather update, and find out what's happening on the sun, and all the other happenings in our local neck of the woods here on planet Earth. So, Radio Orbit, uh, coming to you live, commercial-free, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. every Sunday morning. This is Mike Hagan, I'm your host. Okay, um, it is... Just a few minutes after 2 o'clock, you're listening to KOPN 89.5 FM, Mid-Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk, and music of the world. It's more than radio, it's community radio, and we're serving uh, Columbia, Fulton, Harrisburg, Hartsburg, Marshall, McBain, Wooldridge, Fayette, Kingdom City, Overton, all over Mid-Missouri. And we're glad you're with us here tonight, and uh, glad you're listening to Radio Orbit. Um, Kelly Naylor and uh, John Cranshaw, my guests, coming up in about an hour. We're going to be talking about dream interpretation, among other things. So, uh, well, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half from now, maybe two hours from now. not sure exactly uh, what, uh, what will be going down, but we'll probably open up the phone lines. And if you all are out there and want to call us and tell us about your dreams, maybe Kelly and John can make some sense out of them from you. Or for you, I should say. Uh, the number here, eight seven four five six seven six. That's if you want to call me in the studio. The number for uh, for the call-in, if you want to actually call and get on the program here and talk about your dreams a little bit later. That number is four four three eight two five five. Four four three eight two five five. That's four four three talk so give me a call, give me a call when we open the phone lines up, and uh, we 'll talk about dreams a little bit we 'll also throw in some good music in between now and then, and we'll uh, talk about, talk about a bunch of different stuff so that 's what 's going on tonight on radio radio orbit uh, lots going on in the news we 've got plenty to talk about uh, we 'll get into all that stuff. Uh, when I get back in just a minute, I'm going to play another song or two and get things settled down here, get things organized so I know what I'm doing, and uh, then we'll be back to talk about these hurricanes that are blasting away down in Florida. We'll talk about uh, recent solar activities, some of the uh, uh, meteor showers that happened last week. We'll talk about some near-Earth asteroids that are going to be, going to be doing flybys in the next next couple, three weeks. and. Um, talk about some other stories as soon as we get back. So hang in there with me. Welcome uh, to Radio Orbit. We'll be doing it up for the next three hours and be back in just a few minutes. This is Pearl Jam on KOPN Radio Orbit, August 15th. A single soundtrack on uh, KOPN 89.5, Radio Orbit. This is Mike Hagan talking to you live and getting into it here. All right, let's uh, get caught up. Every week on Radio Orbit, one of the first things that we do is we go through what I call the space weather, and we talk about what's going on on the sun, and we talk about what's going on in our general neighborhood here in space. And uh, in the last week... There have been lots of interesting things happening, actually. So let's talk about a few of those. Um, The sun is something that we always talk about. The sun, obviously, the heart and soul of our solar system. And uh, anything that happens on the sun obviously has a great impact here on Earth, whether we think it does or not. It affects everything around us. And that's why we like to talk, talk about it. So on the sun, what is happening? Well... During the past uh, 48 hours or so, uh, there is a uh, a cluster of uh, sunspots uh, area, 649. Now, they name these areas as they develop and move across the face of the sun. So the numbers really don't mean a whole lot. They just kind of categorize them. But anyway, uh, this region, 649, uh, 649 has unloaded a bunch of uh, M-class flares in the last 48 hours or so. Uh, Nothing uh, too serious, although... Uh, a lot of these are what we call geo-effective. They're right in, sort of in line with the Earth. So uh, if any of these flares result in coronal mass ejections that are related to the flares, well, those uh, those CMEs, as we call them, could uh, could affect the Earth. But so far, uh, with these uh, these flares from 6:49, we haven't seen any any Earth-bound coronal mass ejections. So. Uh, probably not going to be a lot of aurora borealis or anything that uh, anything too exciting this weekend because the solar wind isn't too too aggressive uh, right now. Now, however, um, the uh, this this uh, this region 649 is still with us and. Um, has the potential to do some really interesting things. Uh, we had a couple of X-Class flares a couple of weeks ago, if you remember right, and that came from uh, an area that was very similar to 649. In fact, it may have even been 649. I can't, I can't remember exactly. So, so these things are still dangerous uh, um, as long as they're on the front side of the disc, and uh, this will be there for at least a few more days, so we'll keep our eyes close on uh, area 649. Uh, in addition, uh, the Sunspot Area 656 uh, has... Been very active, launching a sort of like a railgun uh, uh, idea of flares that came off in the last couple of days, just one after the other, and a very high, uh, high class M, M class flares on the higher, uh, the higher parts of that scale, uh, getting close to the X class flare, which of course we know is. Um, the most powerful flare that we can even measure coming from the sun. So these are not small flares, and the activity on the sun continues to astound us and surprise us. Um, The solar maximum was supposed to be four going on five years ago, and uh, these last four years have been anything but uneventful. The solar activity uh, has not tapered off. In fact, it's increased over the last four years, and in the last year we've seen... Uh, the largest flares that have ever been witnessed on our star. So things are really uh, uh, volatile and very uh, dynamic on the sun. And these cycles that we talk about, the 11-year sunspot cycle and solar cycle, that has, in my uh, humble opinion, uh, basically been thrown out the window because uh, what I've seen in the last four or five years has uh, completely thrown that model out the window. So the sun is doing wild stuff, and we like to keep our eye on it. I'm going to read you a little report here from uh, uh, from the uh, from the um, scientific community uh, regarding this area 656. Um, This happened on the 13th of August. It says, the event was fairly brief and was not associated with substantial radio emissions. This is an X1 flare, uh, which went off just a couple days ago. In addition, current LASCO imagery does not reveal any significant Earth War-directed coronal mass ejection activity. Another fairly short-duration major class M7 flare is in progress at the time of this writing. And this was a couple days ago. Um, And that one, too, turned out not to be associated with the CME. So so nothing... uh, Too dangerous to be uh, interested in right now or to be concerned with right now, but these things are uh, volatile. They're still on the front of the disk and uh, they could unleash a a large flare at any given time, and we know the effects of those large flares can be significant here on Earth. Now, there's one last uh, sunspot area I want to talk about real fast. That is uh, uh, region 661. Um, Now, this is a giant region of sunspots that is uh, poised to come around in uh, the next couple of days. And again, we'll have Earth sort of right in its sights. So we'll have to keep a close eye on 661 and 556. Uh, so uh, as I said, uh, nothing nothing new here, at least nothing new in the last few years. The sun continues its uh, incredible activity, and we'll just have to watch it real close. Um, it, that, that actually brings something to mind. I had a, uh, an interesting conversation with a... Uh, An elder of the Lakota Nation, uh, uh, a grandfather for the Lakota Nation who's no longer with us, and uh, I hesitate to mention his name on the air out of respect. Um, In any case, uh, a few years ago, he related a story to me, and um, this was at an elders conference in Denver, Colorado, that I was fortunate enough to attend a couple years ago. I have a significant connection to the Native American community back in Colorado, uh, the Lakota nation in particular, and a tremendous amount of respect for these people, and they are very wise and knowledgeable when it comes to these sort of cosmic ideas and universal ideas. So anyway, um, what the grandfather told me was that in November of 2004, there was going to be some sort of an event now, he didn't specify, but he made uh, a couple of allusions uh, to the sun, and he made me think that it may have something to do with the sun. I have other reasons to believe that that's what he was saying, but I'm not going to go into it now. We'll do a program on it, hopefully, in the next, uh, the next month or so. But that's always been in the back of my mind um, what Grandfather CeeLo had said to me and a number of other people back in 2002 uh, in Denver, Colorado. Now, Grandfather CeeLo, and that it was his name. His name is CeeLo Black Crow, and uh, I decided that there's nothing wrong with mentioning his name on the air. CeeLo, I love you, and uh, I hope you're watching over us with the ancestors there, my friend. You're a a great man and a, a grandfather to us all. Anyway, um, so this has always been in the back of my mind, what Grandfather CeeLo said about November of 2004. So we're just going to have to keep on watching um, and see uh, if the sun um, pulls any other tricks out of its bag in the next few months here. Okay, uh, that's what's going on with Seoul. uh, Nothing too uh, concerning, but uh, like I say, we've got to keep our eyes on these these large sunspots. Regions that can launch big flares at any given moment. Okay, the Perseid meteors, uh, the Perseid meteor shower peaked just a couple of days ago, August 11th and 12th. Um, anybody who was watching the sky uh, would agree that it was a pretty good show this year. Um, there were lots of bright earth grazing meteors that were lighting up the sky in the late night and early morning activity back on the 12th. There was also a really cool Venus uh, conjunction with the moon. Uh, where Venus was just a few degrees off to the right-hand side of the moon. It was really pretty. If you see Venus in the, uh, in the east in the early morning hours right now, you'll, rec- you'll see it as the, b- the brightest star in the sky. It's incredibly bright and has been all summer. And um, that's what you're seeing. It's not, a, uh, it's not an inbound uh, object or anything like that. It's just the, the planet Venus over there. And that doesn't mean that everything you see in the sky is identifiable. There's certainly things that fly around up there that we are unable to identify. But uh, let's try to eliminate the things that we that we can identify. So, anyway, so the Perseids were cool. The Perseid meteors they come um, they come from the tail of a comet that's called Swift Tuttle. Uh, the uh, the Earth sort of flies around in the tail of this comet. Um, the tails of these comets are incredibly long. They're huge. And they uh, they stretch out for millions of miles, and there's all kinds of debris and dust particles and small rocks. And anyway, in the uh, in the dusty sort of tail of this comet Swift Tuttle, uh, that's the source of these Perseid, what we call the Perseid meteors. The reason we call them the Perseid meteors is because they come from the direction of the of the constellation Perseus in the sky, and uh, so that's uh, the direction that we look at when we want to see them. Although the Earth is always spinning around and everything's always spinning around, so it's not quite as cut and dry as that. But from Earth's pers- perspective, uh, the uh, the Perseids seem to come from that direction. So uh, the Perseids, even over the next couple nights tonight and the next couple nights, will still be visible in uh, a lesser degree than they were a couple of nights ago. But you might uh, you might check it out and see uh, see if you can still see some some rocks burning through the through the sky. Okay, what else going on? Uh, Near Earth Objects (NEOs), asteroids that are coming close to our planet, and uh, we like to talk about these because they're sometimes they get awfully close, and a lot of times they fly by before we even know it. And you'll hear you'll hear a story on the news, and they say three days ago a large asteroid passed within 200,000 miles of the Earth. Scientists say there was no danger. <laughs> well, we hear that quite often. Um, It's obvious that they didn't know that it was going to be flying by, and they only knew it after the fact when they reported it a few days later. Now, this happens because there are all kinds of meteors and asteroids and rocks flying around out there in space, and uh, we just don't know how many of them there are. There are probably an infinite number. Uh, in an infinite uh, amount of space. So there's an infin- infinite number of rocks flying around out there. So there's no way to know where and when uh, any new one that you haven't discovered before might, uh, might happen to just cruise by your planet and say hi, or it might even uh, get a little too close for comfort. And that's when we have uh, impact scenarios. And uh, depending on the size of those stones, those, uh, those things can get rather dicey. So, anyway, near-Earth asteroids, uh, potentially hazardous asteroids, PHAs we call them sometimes. um, Coming up, let's see, the most important one on September 29th, and we've talked about this this before, is Teutatus. Teutatus is um, only going to be about four lunar distances from the Earth. That's about a million miles and just a whisker in cosmic terms. And Tutatis has a real funky rotation and sort of a strange orbit, so it's not real predictable. And a, a million miles is, uh, is not a lot of uh, margin of error for a, a stone such as Tutatis. So we're going to be watching that one very close uh, and um, see what Tutatis does. It's very big. It's big as a small city, a few miles in, uh, in diameter. And if Tutatis was... Uh, um, was to come in contact with the Earth or get caught in our gravitational field or get caught in the Earth's or in the moon's gravitational field or have an impact with any of those two bodies, um, it would be lights out on planet Earth for quite a while. Uh, we would see destruction um, on a scale that, uh, that even these boys in Washington uh, can't imagine. We can outdo them. Mother Nature can outdo them. And... Uh, Let's hope that doesn't happen anytime in the near future, but we will talk about it uh, uh, as, we, uh, as we move along here. We're going to play another uh, bit of music here. That's all for the space weather for now. Um, Chutatis, uh, there are a couple other small bodies that are coming by in the next next couple weeks, but nothing that I'm too concerned about, nothing that's going to get very close, so we're not even going waste to time, waste time chatting about them. We're going to uh, play a little bit more music here. And I'll be back to talk to you about uh, some upcoming guests who we're going to talk uh, to tonight. We talked about Kelly and John Craneshaw going to be here from the School of Metaphysics here in Columbia. Uh, John's actually going to be joining us on the telephone if I can figure out how to get the uh, phone system working. And Kelly will be here in the studio with me. Um, and we'll be back in just a few minutes to talk about some, uh, some other news.
0: There's an old lady living in an old house. Since her husband died, she hasn't been out. She lives in her own world with her own little nightmares. And she stopped counting the days. Like a sea, she does all shows i and Less feelings well free, Has people. Talk.
1: Fury in the Slaughterhouse on Radio Orbit KOPN. That's a song called Radio Orchid, actually from their CD that was called Mono, which was released I don't know back 1993, 94, something like that. Anyway, really cool German rock and roll band called Fury in the Slaughterhouse. This is Mike Hagen with you on Radio Orbit every Sunday morning, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., and uh, we talk about the strange and the mysterious and the unknown and. All the interesting things happening in our world and universe. And uh, tonight's going to be no different. As I said earlier, I've got a couple of guests. Uh, One going to be online with me uh, on the phone from Kansas City and the other uh, young lady in here from the School of Metaphysics right here in the studio with me. Kelly just showed up. And uh, we'll be talking to her and uh, John Cranshaw, both from the School of Metaphysics here in Columbia. We'll be talking to them in about half an hour. And we're going to open up the phone lines a little bit after that, uh, so if you have any interesting dreams that you're trying to figure out what they might mean, or if you just have a comment or a question for John or Kelly, we'll open up the phone lines and we'll let you guys call and ask a couple of questions. Uh, that number for future reference is four four three eight two five five. that's 573-443-8255, and uh, you can call us in the studio a little bit later. I'll let you know when we're going to open the phone lines up. It'll probably be about an hour from now, maybe, I don't know, maybe hour and a half. We'll just have to see how it goes. So uh, that's what we're doing. Um, Kelly and John will be with us in just a little while here. Uh, upcoming guests, let me take care of a couple of uh, informational items for uh, the next coming up weeks, uh, or the next few weeks coming up here. Kent Stedman, uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know Kent was on the show about three, maybe four weeks ago now. Kent is the genius behind cyberspaceorbit.com, a very close friend of mine and one of the most important people on the planet, I have to say, incredible guy that has information that people need to be listening to. So Kent Stedman is going to be with me next week. He'll be here for uh, two hours in the the early morning like we do every week. And uh, Sydney Dotson, a woman named Sydney Dotson, I'm going to be talking to her in a few weeks. She's an expert on identity theft. And it might seem like sort of a strange topic, but uh, with uh, technology advancing the way it is, uh, believe it or not, identity theft is something that's becoming more and more uh, an issue for people uh, to be concerned with. And um, this woman, Sydney Dotson, is an expert in it, uh, has some experience in her own life, and uh, nothing better than experience to, uh, uh, to teach other people about things because... It's very easy to read about things and to talk about things that you've read about, but until you actually do it, until you actually have the experience, it uh, it tends to give you a little bit, uh, a little bit of a more, more firm foundation to speak on. So anyway, that should be an interesting show. I'll talk to Sydney in a couple of weeks and um, Dr. Colin Ross, Colin Ross, the author of uh, a, a book called Bluebird and a number of others. He is a doctor of psychiatry and the head of the Ross. Uh, the ross institute of psychiatric medicine dr ross is an expert on mind control and uh he will be here talking to us um about the history of mind control experimentation in the united states uh, and around the world uh if you're familiar with the movies you know there was a remake of an old 1952 or 53 movie that was made just recently it's called the manchurian candidate and um That movie, believe it or not, was actually based in fact, and um, Colin Ross is a gentleman who knows, he's forgotten more about uh, this stuff than most of us will ever know, and I can't wait to talk to Dr. Ross, and it's going to be a real interesting program. Unfortunately, we won't be doing it live with him, I'm going to tape it and then air it after... uh, uh, sometime after we actually do the recording. For some reason, he doesn't want to be up in the middle of the night with me at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, doing an interview from from Dallas, Texas. So, uh, but Kelly Naylor, who's here in the studio, she had the guts to actually uh, get up in the middle of the night and come here and, and uh, do some radio for your benefit. So... Uh, Hope you all h- uh, hang with us here and uh, listen to Kelly and John just coming up in a few minutes. Okay, I read an interesting story from the Scotsman um, just a couple of days ago. Uh, they're um, talking about what they call a tsunami crisis. If you know what a tsunami is, just another it's a Japanese name for a, what we call a tidal wave. Um, but there's an interesting situation that's developing uh, in uh, the Canary Islands. There's a big chunk of a volcano that... Uh, is uh, the the actual name of the, the of this volcano is called Cumbra Vieja and it's uh, in La Palma and when that the next time that volcano erupts uh, scientists are very concerned that there's a big chunk of it that's going to fall uh, that's going to fall into the ocean and if that happens it's a very large rock, a very large piece of earth. Um, If that happened, uh, a giant tsunami or a massive wave reaching heights of more than 500 feet would be sent racing across the Atlantic at the speed of a passenger jet. And I'm quoting from the article here. um, After about 4,000 miles, after it traverses the entire uh, length of the Atlantic Ocean, um, it would be a little bit lower, but still 20 to 50 meters in height. Now, a wave like that coming in contact with the eastern seaboard of the United States is going to, well, it's going to change the face of uh, of what's happening out there. New York City, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, down the eastern seaboard, there are going to be some serious issues there if that happens, and these guys are very serious about it. They say... Um, uh, At the beginning of this article, it actually says, world leaders were today urged to wake up to the threat from a collapsing mountain, which at any moment could unleash a massive tidal wave on the east coast of North America. Um, So, as we always talk about here on Radio Orbit, a very dynamic world that we live in, changing all the time, and we sort of live on on the edge of a razor blade. And although we tend to think that everything is sort of stable and, static and not changing things are actually changing all the time and things like this tend to make us think a little bit more about that um, so the world is ever-changing the earth is ever-changing just like you and me are always changing and um, so keep that in mind and uh, say a little prayer from Mother Earth that she doesn't drop a big rock into the ocean and trash the East Coast of America and uh, do a lot of damage to some other things in the meantime uh, what else um, speaking of big uh, catastrophes might as well stick with it here I mentioned Tutatus a couple of minutes ago uh, when we were talking about the space weather update Tutatus of course is, a, is an asteroid that does a, a near earth flyby every couple of years it has a, what we call an earth crossing orbit every couple of years it it crosses the Earth's orbit. And when an asteroid does that, it's just a matter of time before those two orbits actually come into sync and the, and the objects actually meet in space. And when that happens, we call that an impact. And when we have an impact, we have things like we were talking about two minutes ago, big tidal waves and, oh man, Armageddon, the end of the world biblical stuff. Really wild. So, um, anyway, I don't think that's going to happen on this, uh, on this flyby coming up in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be about four lunar distances from the Earth, which is about a million miles. But, again, in cosmic terms, just a whisker. So, um, uh, we'll keep our eye on Jutatis. But the reason I bring that up again is that back in 1908, there was um, something happened in an area of Siberia, an area called Tunguska. And... Um, There were about 400 square miles of forest that were completely leveled. In fact, to this day, almost 100 years later, if you go to this area in uh, Siberia, you'll find a, a virtual wasteland. And scientists for a long time have been trying to figure out what happened there. And the consensus is that a big rock entered the Earth's atmosphere and exploded above the forest in Tunguska and uh, had a tremendous amount of force and flattened that whole forest and lit up the sky and uh, it was a very uh, a very significant event. Well, in the last week, scientists from the Soviet, Union you know, the former Soviet Union, pardon me, uh, in Russia, they have made a real interesting claim that they found evidence of an extraterrestrial craft or some sort of technology that they found on the ground. Now, uh, prior to uh, just this week, the the scientific community had said that there were there was no evidence of this rock that was found on the ground. In other words, they thought that it had exploded in the atmosphere, released a tremendous amount of energy, which was directed downward, uh, wiped out all these trees, and uh, and just trashed this big area of the earth. Um, but but there were no uh, that it was completely destroyed. It, it disintegrated in the atmosphere, and that there was no evidence on the on the earth of. Of the actual rock itself. Well, that now, at least uh, these uh, Russian scientists are contending that fact. They actually have been there. Uh, They've been there for quite a while actually doing their research, but they just released this story earlier this week. And they say that they've actually found um, a big chunk of the rock itself, and they've uh, been able to isolate a small uh, 50 kilograms or so of that to take that to the lab and check it out and find out, um, uh, see if they can. Uh, gain anything from from, uh, from looking at the rock itself, but then they made this really weird claim that they 've also found what they call an extraterrestrial device now um, don 't shoot the messenger here; I just report the news to you i don 't make it up um, but uh, I just found it really interesting because i 've always been interested in this Tung- Tunguska story since I was a kid because I knew something really significant happened there, um, but uh, now uh, we're, the story's the, the plot thickens, and the story gets a little bit more interesting we 'll have to see how this pans out i 'm not going to make any uh, uh, i 'm not going to come to any conclusions on it because it 's just sort of developing now, and I want to read some more about it and see if I can learn a little bit more before I make a, make a decision on what I think really happened and we 'll be talking about that down the road here um, a little bit uh, a little bit later so Uh, Let's see. What else do we want to talk about? Okay, we're going to be talking about dreams a little bit later. Kelly, I'm going to turn your mic on actually for a second. And uh, why don't you say hi to me here. Hello. Hey, there's Kelly Naylor. Um, We're going to be with Kelly and John in about 15 minutes. But I figure since she's sitting across from me here, we'll ask her a couple of questions real fast. Um, We're going to be talking about dreams. Primarily, I think um, we may talk about more than that, uh, it, depending on what on, on what Kelly thinks of her. What do you, what do you think, Kelly? You want to talk about a few different things, or? Sure. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about dreams. There's a lot of other things that they do at the school here, and um, I'm not real familiar with a lot of it. Um, at least uh, what they do here at the School of Metaphysics in Columbia. Um, I'm, I have a feeling I'm familiar with some of the concepts we are going to talk about, um, but. Uh, but we will find out soon enough. And Kelly is, has been studying dreams and their interpretation for how long now?
2: Um, all in all, I'd say about close to two years.
1: Okay, a couple of years. And mm-hmm. um, did some research, I'm sure, and a lot of reading before you started actually working with people.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. the research.
1: Okay. So it's going to be really fun. And I actually have some... I got some of my own issues. I think I need to. We
2: can help you with Need
1: to time. need need to mention some of my own dreams and see what, see what she, see what she finds. So let's uh, well, let's see what else we want to talk about. Actually, we'll, before we go to some music, we'll we'll talk about dreams again here real fast. There was actually an article, Kelly. I don't know if you saw it, but I, I, before I actually talked to you, there was an article um, uh, um on MSN, and it was just called "What Dreams Are Made Of." And it was quite an extensive article, actually. And they talked about the um, the science of dreams and about how um, the scientific establishment is now trying to isolate different areas of the brain and looking at brain activity as we're sleeping and um, uh, what the brain is doing when we're in REM states and when we're in non-REM states and all this stuff. And and as always, the scientific community likes to cut things up into little pieces and uh, and try to... Dissect it and find out what uh, what makes it work. But for me, on things like this, it's not quite that easy. It's there's certainly science behind some of the way the way that some of these things work. There's no question about it. The, the way the brain operates um, is something that can be investigated scientifically. No question about it. However, uh, the conclusions are far from. Uh, far from written in stone, I guess I should say, because the brain is, to our knowledge, the most sophisticated object in the known universe, and uh, we know very little about it, just like we know very little about lots of things, that we, uh, we always tend to think that we know everything, just like our planet. We don't, we don't know a lot of things about the earth, we don't know a lot of things about our solar system, we don't know a lot of things about the sun, we don't know lots about lots, and as soon as we realize that, that's when we start learning, because as soon as you think you know everything, well then you stop learning, because you have nothing else to learn. So we're going to keep learning on radio orbit. We're going to be back with Kelly Naylor and uh, John Cranshaw. We can get the phones worked out. Uh, hang in there. We're probably going to give you probably a good 10, 12 minutes of music. Uh, well, I haven't gone away, but I'm here all by myself, and the technology is just a little bit more than I can handle sometimes. So hang loose. Radio orbit coming up top of the hour, Kelly Naylor, John Cranshaw from the School of Metaphysics, and uh, we'll be back right away. was Weezer on KOPN 89.5 FM. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. It's 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning, August 15th, 2004. My guests in the studio with me, Kelly Naylor from the School of Metaphysics, and on the phone with me is uh, John Crenshaw. And let's see if we got him. John, are you there? yeah I'm here wow we did it and uh, a a quick thank you to my friend Mark Heim out there in Radioland Mark gave me a call a few minutes ago to make sure I had this phone thing figured out and it looks like we did it and so we've got John Crenshaw on the line Um, John is actually out of town right now I think he's in Kansas City uh, at the headquarters maybe of the School of Metaphysics is that right John
3: it's actually in a small town called Windyville, Missouri. <laughs> it's just uh, about an hour south of Lake of the Ozarks.
0: Windyville, huh?
3: Yeah, it's really small. We've actually the school of metaphysics has actually put it on the map.
1: Wow, cool. <laughs> I'm from Chicago. They call yeah. that Windyville too, but it's a little bit bigger. I yeah,
3: right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, and Kelly, do we have you? Yes. Hey, Kelly. Hi, John. <laughs> Kelly, do me a little favor and get a little bit closer to that mic when we talk to it. Make sure we get our levels right. Okay, cool. All right, I think we're there. Um, John, what I'd like to do first, uh, we've got a couple hours here. I'm not sure how long you're going to be able to stay with us, but um, let's, uh, let's start out um, just by talking about the school of metaphysics itself um, and what you guys do there. But I think even before we do that, let's talk about metaphysics in general and what really is Metaphysics. We hear this word quite a bit. Um, it's it's uh, it's a word that actually, along the years ago, we didn't hear very much, actually. Uh, but now we're hearing it quite a bit more, and a lot of people talk about metaphysics, this and that. But I think that it, uh, maybe it requires a uh, a definition from from you, at least, so we can frame our conversation tonight.
3: Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, whenever I tell people uh, that I study metaphysics, they they kind of get this preconceived idea that it's some very uh, intellectual, you have to be very smart, you know, very brainy to, to do, to study metaphysics, and you really don't have to at all. In fact, we uh, teach people to rely less and less on the brain and more and more on the mind. Uh, the definition of metaphysics, as taught by our school, the School of Metaphysics, is the study of the universal laws and truths that govern creation and um, meta is a Greek word meaning greater than or beyond and physics is the laws of the physical and so anytime you study metaphysics you're studying something that is greater than or beyond the physical level or the physical realm and um, in a nutshell I think that's what th- that describes the, the study of metaphysics in general even at the school of metaphysics or anywhere else you go
1: Okay, interesting. Um, So, really, so in a nutshell, we're talking about things that are greater or beyond the physical.
3: That's right. That's right. And that falls under what the school of metaphysics calls the mind. And people sometimes people have a a misconception of they think that the brain is the mind. That's not true. The brain is a physical organ. The mind is like a think of it like a, a vehicle that every person uses. And um, the brain is an organ that uh, is primarily used to store information mm-hmm. that we gather in life. so mm-hmm.
1: Or to access information. Yeah,
3: it's yeah. like a computer.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I'm, I'm very interested myself in, in, in brain development and neural development and the way that the brain accesses these sort of non-localized fields now that we're, that we're learning about from quantum, uh, from quantum sciences and mm-hmm. quantum physics. And it's really... Uh, astounding actually what uh, at least some of the things that i've been reading so
3: yeah there's some there's some amazing things that like you know it's that, that old adage that scientists say we only use 10 percent of our brain <laughs> right. well we only use 10 percent of our minds once you once you study it and the more you study the mind the more your brain activates and livens up so um, there just a quick tidbit of trivia the school of metaphysics has compiled a little bit of research on brainwave activities and uh, has noticed that um, the, the people like swamis, yogis, um, master teachers, enlightened people uh, throughout the world were they measured their brainwave activities and there were four different types of brainwaves the mm-hmm. alpha, beta, theta, and delta mm-hmm. and uh, noticed that within these enlightened ones that all four brainwaves were working at the same time meaning they were using their brain more completely than just the average person, I think. Interesting. So, yeah, we do study the brain. Our focus mainly is on the mind, developing the mind.
1: Okay, well, um, let's talk a little bit more about that then. So so at the school, um, I, I was talking with Kelly a little bit earlier, and I, um, I, I'm not that familiar with the stuff that was being done at the school, and one of my questions to Kelly was about dream interpretation, and I, I kind of made an assumption that that was her sort of Specialty, but what she clarified was that that is just sort of one part of uh, of the overall sort of uh, uh, teaching concept that's going on at the school, and and so there are obviously a bunch of other things that are involved in that. Maybe you could uh, talk about some of those other things and uh, the just sort of an overview of. Sure,
3: I would love to. Um, <laughs> Let's see. If someone, you know, I'll say it, I'll describe it as, as the journey of a student in the School of Metaphysics. The first thing that, you know, you would register for classes and the first thing you would learn is a skill called self-respect. And uh, it's the ability to look at yourself and notice your your skills and your talents and the areas that you shine, and also look on the areas that don't shine. You know, maybe your flaws or shortcomings, and to look at those with an attitude of um, not developing an attitude of inferiority in looking at yourself, or maybe even superiority, swinging to the opposite end, but an attitude of objectivity and saying, "Okay, who am I?" Mm-hmm. You know, what is Who am I? What do I think? And just generally focusing on, on self um, in the beginning. The next thing the student would learn is the ability to de- develop undivided attention. Undivided attention is the foundation of everything else that we teach at the School of Metaphysics.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It's the foundation for um, using the power of visualization as a tool to create your own reality. It's the foundation of healing. We also study healing. Mm -hmm. It's the foundation of developing a photographic memory. And uh, it's the foundation for the more advanced skills, such as um, consciously cause out-of-body experiences
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: and astral projection. Um, It's the foundation for lucid dreaming or being awake while you're in the dream state. Um, It's pretty much the foundation of everything. Mm -hmm. So...
1: Okay. Yeah, the um, it's interesting that you that that uh, that you mention that I th- the the term that I use for it, and I think it's the same thing we're talking about. I call it unconflicted thought.
4: Uh huh.
1: And um, I think that I think we're talking about the same thing there. And I mm-hmm. and, and and from the research that I've done, and again, this is more on a biological side uh, of brain of brain development is that when we do start to develop these. Uh, uh, things like unconflicted thought, you actually start to develop more neural connections in your brain, uh-huh. and uh, and I'm guessing that over 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 the long period of time, that's why we see in uh, as you mentioned earlier in the in the gurus and such these people that uh, that tend to have. These more enlightened sort of uh, ideas and and minds that may, maybe maybe that's what's really the the, the the physiology behind it is just this incredibly advanced neural structure.
3: Yeah, that that definitely that definitely comes along with it. It's kind of like um, a way we describe it in our in when we teach classes at the school is um, think of. I like I, this is how I describe it and uh, scientists have discovered or have done uh, some research I'm, I can't, don't quote me on where it comes from I just I know it to be true from my own experience but we have tend to have about somewhere in the range of fifty thousand different thoughts per day <laughs> and I mean when you go to bed at night how many of those fifty thousand thoughts do you actually remember having you know <clears throat> basically none probably maybe a few really strong thoughts and the goal of One of the first goals you have at the School of Metaphysics is to begin to reduce the number of thoughts you have. And so that eventually what you have, instead of your mind and your thinking, to be dispersed and scattered among 50 different thousand avenues of um, incomplete thoughts is to concentrate those thoughts into a a few uh, potent creative images of how you want your life to be and how you want to live your life. Mm-hmm. And um, that focuses the energy of the mind and it focuses it kind of like a laser. And it's your mind becomes so much more efficient, so much more productive. Um, you create less conflict in your life, uh, less conflicting thoughts, the less conflict you experience in your life. Mm-hmm. So. That's uh, again. That's some of the more advanced studies of the school. But it happens. Actually, it begins to happen the first night, the first uh, time you, the first time you sit down and and practice your your mental development exercises.
1: Right. It doesn't. It doesn't take a lot to sort of light the candle. And, right. Uh, and then all you've got to do is kind of nurture it, I think, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it tends to grow by itself. You know, it's, uh, it's actually what nature intended, in my opinion. I agree. Um, I, think it's, I, th- I think that we're actually, uh, that, that that was the plan. Um, but we, we've done a lot of things to sort of thwart the plan. And um, I think that uh, the stuff that you guys are doing at the, at the school is, is trying to counteract all of that, uh, that thwarting that goes on. And it's cultural, primarily. Cultural and, uh, and, and what society society brings to it I think
3: yeah I mean I remember as a kid you know growing up my you know bless my parents heart they would just you know let me watch as much TV and play as much video games as I wanted and it was just sensory overload and that's what really begins it for you know young children is their minds become so dispersed and scattered among all these different sensory impressions that they they lose their focus and then you have such things like a d d and a d h d and things like that and um i mean i've had, I've got students in the classes right now one woman's teaching her kids how to meditate, mm-hmm. and it's having profound effects on their on their minds and just their ability to stay focused and they're actually she doesn't have to coax them into it anymore she, they're on their own doing right. it and it's really amazing
1: yeah it's, it, it, it is you mentioned a couple things that really uh that really, really struck me there. And I'm looking over at Kelly across from me here. And don't worry, Kelly, we'll get you in the conversation here in just a second. Um, the television, number one, uh, there's, there, there's been, um, and it's interesting because I'll, I tend to have a little bit of a handle on the biological side of some of this stuff. The television, it's turned out, has recently, a lot of uh, uh, studies have come out recently that have shown that that the television itself, the device itself, not the content, the device itself, uh actually has a profound effect on the neurology of a developing brain mm-hmm. and um uh, people that uh that have their children sitting in front of the television for extended periods of time when they're very young and a lot of them do a lot of them just use the television just to you just need a break set the kid in front of the television and and um and he just goes uh, <laughs> goes flat, as we all know, and yeah. and then mom, mom or dad gets a break. Um, but what people don't realize, I mean, I, I consider the television a drug, quite frankly. I think I think that uh, I think that it's the the world's most unstudied and uh, uh, unlearned unlearned about drugs. It's you. Uh, your brain, your brainwaves go flat. Your eyes, your dilate, and all the blood pools in your ass, and you, <laughs> and, and, you and you become the. You, as my friend Terence McKenna used to say, you become the per, you become the perfect pawn for somebody else's trip. Yeah, it's not even your trip. Yeah, it's 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 somebody else's trip, you know. And uh, so anyway, yeah, I I think that if we can get the kids focused on some other things other than these these uh, audio video inputs that are that are debilitating to a young brain, that, that, that alone can make a big big difference. So, hey, cool. All right. Well, listen, uh, John, we're going to take a short break here. I'm going to play a little music that I wanted to play right at the beginning of the show to sort of set the mood a little bit. Um, but we kind of got talking uh, right off the bat anyway. So we'll play a song here. We've got about four minutes or so. We'll be right back with Kelly Naylor and John Crenshaw from the School of Metaphysics. We'll be talking about dreams and... Lots of other really interesting stuff over the next hour and a half or so. So stick with us. This is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM. That was Gary Wright, Dreamweaver on KOPN. Back in the studio here with John Cranshaw on the phone, actually, and Kelly Naylor in the studio here with me. John, you still there? Sure. All right, great. Here. Okay, and Kelly, we got you still, I think.
3: Right here.
1: Okay, good. Okay, John, where um, where were we, and where do we want to go?
3: Well, we were talking about um, people's. I think it was the average person's use of the mind is is pretty um, kind of almost next to nothing. You know, a lot of people, right. and we were we were talking about some of the things that we were, we teach at the school, and I kind of briefly touched on those, um, and um, we're kind of. I guess eventually going to segue into dreams, and, but it'd be nice. I'd lo- I would like to share some more about uh, what we teach at the school.
1: Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Um, let's be, because all this stuff is related, and I think the dream stuff comes in, in, in a package, mm-hmm. sort of along with with, with, with with this other stuff. It all kind of gets developed together, so I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, with talking about it together. So maybe we can talk. Maybe, maybe uh, we can sort of try um, to give listeners... Th- a best opportunity we can to try to teach them a few things that they might even be able to do on their own. Sure. Uh, maybe they can practice. Okay, you know, i i I know a little bit about lucid dreaming and some of the mm-hmm. some of the te- techniques and stuff to try to do some of these things. Maybe we can try to uh, to uh, to light a few candles tonight and wake a few people up and let them try some of their own experiments. And uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of the stuff I know you just kind of need somebody to tell you, hey, just try this or yeah. try that and see where it goes. So, mm-hmm. so maybe you could um, maybe you could sort of. Uh, let's assume that we're trying to teach somebody something right here, right now, and, and tell oh, me how good. you might how you might do that. So,
3: yeah, I like doing things like that. Cool. Um, I guess you know anybody who's interested in learning to develop their mind. Um, first of all, I'll be totally honest with you. In order to really excel and to succeed in understanding the whole mind and the whole self, you really do need a teacher, somebody who has done it before, mm-hmm. somebody who can keep you motivated and keep you guided sometimes that's not always available and uh there are some concentration techniques that we offer to anybody who's willing to put forth the effort and I'll go ahead and describe one of those for you it's very simple um the one first one we we teach is to you have to get a timer because you have to be honest and and um For about ten, all you need is ten minutes every day. You have to do it every day because the body functions on cycles, um, on daily cycles. And even if you miss one day, and the next day you do it twice, it's not as effective as if you just did it once a day. It's that simple. Um, You set your timer for ten minutes, and you concentrate on the minute or the second hand of a clock for ten minutes, and you give it your undivided attention. If you find your mind wandering uh, to different sounds or sights or whatever, bring your attention back to the second hand. And eventually you'll let go of the physical distractions. You know, your body will stop itching. <laughs> you know, you won't necessarily tune out other noises. You just won't, your brain won't register them because your attention is focused on the hand of the clock. Okay. Um, concentration really isn't a matter of tuning things out. It's a matter of... Either you're directing your attention to your ears and you're hearing things, or you're directing your attention to your eyes and you're seeing things, or you're directing your attention to multi senses and, and receiving multiple sense impressions. Okay. Um, and eventually, once you get really uh, focused, you'll start to notice how scattered your mind is. And one of the students, he was so cool, it was so fun to teach. Um, in his innocence, he described the average person's use of the mind. With, he was doing his con- concentration practices, and he he finally he woke up to the idea, or the fact that in his head there was about oh, fifty thousand or so different voices all talking at once, and he couldn't. And it's like he couldn't make out what each individual one was saying. It was just all these voices just talking all at once. And that's how people's minds are right now. And right, as, right, right. As you practice that concentration, you eventually, all those voices in your head just sort of quiet down, and, and eventually what you reach is a period, and this is a really hard concept for people to understand, where you have absolutely no thought. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people describe that as kind of a zen kind of um, kind of being, state of being, where your mind is, is pretty much absent of thought. and We describe it as a still mind, Mm -hmm. and um, as you practice your concentration every day, you develop a still mind. And it's in in order each um, student that I teach, I encourage to practice and develop the ability to still your mind at will, so that if you're going through some emotional turmoil or some kind of confusing situation, you can quiet your thoughts and center yourself, and then make a productive decision, and have a degree of objectivity. So practicing that, uh, concentrating on the second hand of, or of a clock, really helps for ten minutes each day. And eventually you can move to the minute hand and then the hour hand because uh, the hour hand moves a lot slower. So.
1: <laughs> it sure does.
3: Yeah. Right. That's one thing they can practice.
1: Hmm. Now in that, uh, in that state that you're talking about, Eventually, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at the hour hand or the second hand. In other words, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, right. in other words,
1: time. In, pardon me. In that in that state, what does time do? Does time kind of go away? Does it? Does it? Is it? You know, we have a weird concept of time anyway. Yeah. But, but um, does it sort of collapse at that at that point?
3: I I think different different people have different experiences with it. Um, um, I don't know I haven't really done enough studies to find a universal experience with time with mm-hmm. people. I think what happens a lot of, it's different for each person. Sometimes they say, Oh, the time went by so fast, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that it was over right. and sometimes people say, It took seemed like it took forever Or, you know, it and it last it seemed like a ten minutes was an hour. But it was the greatest hour of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of a, um, people go different places when they practice
1: um, let, me, let me ask you another question. Um, this sort of reminds me of, I'm, I'm a musician, mm-hmm. uh, a, sort of an amateur musician, when I'm not working my regular job and when I'm not doing radio for free.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a state of... Playing or whatever that musician, we call it being in the groove. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of different names for it, and they they, they sometimes say in the zone when they talk yeah. about it in sporting events and things like that. Um, you hear you hear runners talk about runners high, yeah. and uh, these th- these sorts of things are these similar experiences, you think, or similar places? Because when I'm in that zone, when I'm in that groove, when I'm playing my music. Um, time does tend to do something strange, and, so, and, and, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but sometimes it goes real fast, and sometimes it doesn't go at all, but I, but I, but I also find that that I'm my most creative, probably, during those times. I mm-hmm. tend to play um, better or more competently than I typically would when I'm not. Does that make sense?
3: It makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I, was, uh, I play music myself. I've been in those states before, and... My experience of it is what what you're describing in terms of the mind is you you kind of you have a waking mind you you have a mind that you use while you're awake and we call that the conscious mind okay. and what you're doing in those states when you get into the zone or when the runner reaches the runner's high is that their conscious mind is short is sort of Um, shoved aside for for the time being and you're functioning directly from what's called subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind is the storehouse of all uh, the wisdom that you contain. It's the source of creative genius. It's the source of um, inspiration and so many different things. And once you can, that's one of the great benefits of developing concentration and learning to still the mind because when you still the mind and focus it on a single point you in effect remove you shove aside the conscious mind and therefore you're able to tap into that subconscious realm of genius and infinite wisdom and understanding Mm -hmm. and it's 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 an amazing place to be and more and more humanity is is moving into that and um that's kind of why the school of metaphysics is here, is to help um, accelerate that process. I think that's exactly what you're describing, hmm. what I can tell.
1: So, so you and, and you tend to think that this is something that is uh, that's spreading around the planet. In other words, you think that there are that, that there's an explosion of this happening right now.
3: I, I think so. I mean, honestly, I've only been around. I've only been on this planet for 25 years. <laughs> I mean, I was born in 1979. The School of Metaphysics was incorporated in 1973, and we've got a couple of people, like four or five individuals who have been studying since its almost original founding in 1973, and they've described it as, in in the 1970s, there was a pretty big explosion. In the 60s and 70s, there was a pretty big explosion, like a a New Age kind of revolution, Mm -hmm. and then it kind of died off in the 70s and 80s, and during that time, They describe it as nobody was talking about visualization, nobody was doing dream interpretation, or and there were a few people doing what you know psychic readings and tarot and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Those people were kind of looked upon as maybe flaky or uh, this. Flaky, yeah. Um, So and and nowadays they describe it. I mean, it's it's becoming more and more commonplace to have people who are highly intuitive who can tap into people that have. Passed on and relay information right. to their loved ones, and the you know, and so it's it's becoming more and more commonplace. I right. think.
1: Well, it's crazy because you know, socially, it's been sort of uh, you know, people who who talk about these sorts of things and like to learn about these sorts of things over historically have been sort of held as pariahs, you know, socially. But mm-hmm. but and and I believe that that's still sort of the case. Even though I also agree with you that I think that there is there is a wave. Um, Of uh, new interest and uh, that that, that's definitely happening because it's happened to me in my own life and it's happened to a lot of people that I that that I know and we're not we're not special I mean I'm not special I'm just a regular guy or whatever and you know something happened to me and something's happened to other people that I know so so things are happening for sure but I think that um you know when it comes to like uh, uh, culture and politics and things like this, uh, you know, these people have also, you know, this knowledge goes back a long, long, long way. And, uh, you know, lots of our ancestors were very aware of some of the things that we're talking about right now. And in fact... Uh, some of I would I would argue that some of the powers that be in the world today understand some of these things, but they just don't want anybody else to understand it. They like yeah. to use it for their own good and for their own uh, agenda or whatever. But it's not something that they consider uh, that's that's good for the for the common for the common guy. Mm-hmm. And so then they make so so they so they paint it as you know wacko nutcase whatever. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, I don't know. It's, it, at least historically, at least it seems like that's what they've done.
3: Yeah, I've heard, I've read different books and things like that, and I've heard about different stories. And I think what's really amazing, though, now is that I mean, places like the School of Metaphysics and the School of Metaphysics are offering this knowledge, basic, almost for free, you know, and it, it's mm-hmm. freely given. And, and I mean, the School of Metaphysics especially just wants everyone on the planet. <laughs> to have this knowledge available to them right. and we're doing so much right now we have like a world outreach program we have a a a national we have a worldwide website that's specifically devoted to dreams and i mean it's and, and we've got a, a a basic website that has it's chock full of just exercises things you can do information articles all kinds of things and,
0: well, hey, let's
1: um, let's actually give that out. The sure. website is s o m dot o r g if I remember correctly. That's, that's right. Now is there a www before that or can yeah? We, okay, so www.som.org. s o m dot org. That's short for School of Metaphysics. Mm-hmm. So som.org, dot uh, org. If you're if you're uh, if you're listening, and mm-hmm. you can you don't even have to jot that down. Three simple letters s o m. Yeah. Interesting. I, the the word soma just came into my 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 brain just a moment ago. S O M E or S O M A. Anyway. Yeah,
3: we actually have a. It's called School of Metaphysics Associates. <laughs> soma. We also have another website. It's called Dreamschool.org. Okay. And that is um, a website where individuals can uh, email a person at the school of Metaph- at the world headquarters and have their dream interpreted they can also join, um, I guess, I'm not sure. There isn't much information I have other than it's called Dream of the Month Club. And it's a place where you can learn specifically how to interpret your dreams. You can learn the language that the dreams are spoken in. And you can have a personal, um, you can have a, your dreams can be posted on the website and interpreted to it. In aiding other people how to interpret <coughs> their dreams. You get a kit, some kind of, you get a dream interpretation kit, including a book called The Dreamer's Dictionary, which is an amazing text on um, the universal language of mind, which is what dreams, the dream language. So all that's found on our website, dreamschool.org. All
1: right, cool. And all that stuff's available to uh, to all you out there for... Free of charge, obviously. Just go to the website and check it out. And then, um, if you have any further interest, you can always get in touch with the people there. Now, is the school um, nationwide, or what? Or is it just regional here? Or what's, or is it international? Or what's the deal with the School of Metaphysics?
3: Well, our our world headquarters has correspondence with people on all seven continents. I mean, even Antarctica. We contacted a couple of scientists down on Antarctica <laughs> when we uh, dedicated our. Our gigantic peace dome. Last October, we had uh, individuals on all seven continents read uh, what's our universal peace covenant. So we have outreach to all seven continents directly from world headquarters. We've got branches of schools of metaphysics up in Chicago. We've got one in Dallas. We've got one as far east as Lexington, Kentucky, and Kansas City, Kansas, and and pretty much in the in the midwestern region at this time. that's kind of where that's where our um, our classes are offered at the local at the centers in the different cities
1: um, you were just reminded me of something else uh, that i'll ask you what what do you think the connection between the internet and this whole do you think there's a connection do you think there's a connection between the internet and this movement that we're sort of talking about mm-hmm. it, I, it, for for me it I don't know I don't know why I say that but it just appears to me like the internet is some sort of a global brain or mm-hmm. something like that and it seems to be developing almost the same way that a on the macro scale the way that a that, that a human brain might develop in a child or something and it seems like that might have something to do with
3: this. I I I hear a lot of people talking about that and I I have a I agree with what they say in that um oh well there is a I mean, the mind, the subconscious mind has a storehouse of of knowledge that is extremely vast. um, If you entertain thoughts about reincarnation, you can discover past lives that you've lived and and Mm -hmm. it's all stored in the subconscious mind. It is like a universal... Library of, of intuitive knowledge, mm-hmm, I and I agree, do believe I that the internet is like a, a physical manifestation of that of that library
0: huh. of, of
3: vast knowledge Ah, yeah because it 's yeah, at your yeah, fingertips yeah, and it 's the whole
1: idea of technology in other in other words we 've used technology to do everything that the human body and the human brain and the human mind were supposed to do by themselves right right, right. so now this is maybe the final manifestation of that we 're actually creating technologically uh-huh. that Which is inherent in all of us naturally. Wow, what an interesting concept, John.
3: And eventually, I think, you know, um, like, you know, cell phones, for instance, are like a manifestation of. People's ability for telepathy and instant mind to mind communication. Yeah, or, that's kind of what it is.
1: Right, you know? or, or this uh, instant messaging that we use on the mm-hmm. computer now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm chatting real time with people all over the world yeah. um, all the time, and it really is like, bang, here's my thought. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting too. Um, I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, but you know when and we all. I, I tend to do this on my show quite a bit because it, it's it's always so interesting talking with people like yourselves, and it's very. I, I don't like to pigeonhole the show, and I don't like to pigeonhole the conversation because uh, the people that I talk to typically have lots to talk about, and I yeah. and I, I tend to just go where the conversations go sometimes. But um, you know, it's interesting when you talk to somebody using your mouth and using words you tend to do it differently than if you type or if you write like I, and i think like i'm thinking of this instant message idea like you can just one word almost you know what i mean or or not even a full word i use abbreviations a lot of the time when i do that you know because the words Understandable on the other end, but it's just like these quick little bits Mm -hmm. that are that are more like thoughts as opposed to words. They're more like thoughts, and it's just here. I I got a couple words, and you can understand my whole thought. You know? Yeah.
3: Hmm. It does actually connect quite a bit with the theme of the show, I guess, which is dreams. Sure. Because dreams are communicated in a similar language that we're discussing, and as people learn to you know a lot of people speak and it's hard to follow what they're saying <laughs> because they use too many words very true and they're not focusing on the mental picture that's in their mind and when you focus on the mental picture that's in your mind and you describe it in as few words as possible mm-hmm. people absorb your 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 thoughts and you can communicate so much more effectively you know it's like the whole the whole saying that a picture is worth a thousand words you know and that's exactly what the dream language is about it's a language of pictures that are um strewn together in such a way as to create a picture or a reflection of of your consciousness
1: right and i think that's the brain that's the way the brain works in general is through Mm -hmm. imagery i think we're learning so Mm
3: -hmm. yeah and um, a lot of times people are real wordy, and it's it's kind of hard to follow what they're saying. And, mm-hmm. and then there's people that you can just absorb their thoughts like like they were your own. And it's because they have a really strong mental image that they're describing. Mm-hmm. And the mind the mind communicates in images, and it communicates actually much better in images than it does in words. Right. And I think that's why people are really drawn to television and, and visual kinds of learning things because the mind is is a picture. It's a picture
1: mechanism yeah it, it actually um, it also reminds me of the difference between cultures that use a written language as opposed to cultures historically uh, uh-huh. for example indigenous cultures that use a, a language um, that is not written that's primarily an oral tradition mm-hmm. um, where where these traditions are handed down over generations through uh, I don't shamans or priests or whatever you want to call them but the but the imagery in those stories is perfect and, gets, and and never gets changed. The same story is told every generation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, well, um, I tell you what, we're going to play another piece of uh, music here. It's a good time for a break. We'll give John a couple minutes here to get a glass of water or something, and um, Kelly can do the same, and I will do the same. It's about 3.40 a.m. on August 15th, 2004. You're listening to Radio Orbit. My guests tonight are John Crenshaw and Kelly Naylor from the School of Metaphysics. We're having a great conversation about the mind and the brain and dreams and, oh, just uh, sort of life in general. And we're going to do a whole lot more of it here coming up in just a few more minutes. So hang with me here. This is Mike, and uh, we'll talk again in just a couple minutes. with you here on Radio Orbit. That was the Tragically Hip from Day for Night that was called Nautical Disaster, a really interesting dream song, actually, if you read the lyrics to that song. So anyway, I'm back here with my guest, John Cranshaw John, you still on the phone here? All right, there's John, and we got Kelly here. We'll get to Kelly in just a little while. Um, she should not been adding too much here because we've only got John for a uh, Little bit longer, I think, just a short amount of time, so we 'll get uh, we 'll get Kelly going here in just a little bit, but um, in the meantime we 'll continue our conversation with both of them so John, um, we are talking about metaphysics and uh, sort of this global consciousness and um, uh, uh, sort of the idea that a lot of people are turning on to this and trying to Find out what really makes them tick and um, what, uh, what they're really capable of. And, and the School of Metaph- Metaphysics and uh, John and Kelly and lots of other people like them are trying to do their part to help people along doing that. So we'll get back to John. What's going on?
0: <laughs>
3: Enjoying this conversation. I've been really, I really appreciate being able to reach out to the community of Columbia and let them know what's available. You know, a lot of people out there have questions about the mind, about dreams, about why they're here, and the School of Metaphysics was able to answer every one of my questions that I had. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and it, it has for thousands of people that have studied in these classes and come through our our center. And um, I just encourage anybody who's out there looking right now for something greater in their life to. Check us out because there's something I know that we have something that can help you. It may not be as involved as a weekly class. We have books, we have uh, intuitive report consultations um, on your health, um, past lives. If you're interested in finding out more about that, on um, crossings with other people and past lives, family past lives. We have weekend seminars where you can come down to our world headquarters and uh, spend a whole weekend. Um, focusing on a spiritual topic that you want to learn about, and that's all available on our website at som.org. And um,
1: well, John, what are, what are people doing with this information? What are you finding? In other words, people are learning about these things, and how are they incorporating it into their lives? And are, and we talk about it being life changing and things like that. Are they using it? Uh, I, I imagine in lots of different ways, different people. But but what what do you think the goals are here? In other words, are people doing it to try to make more money and to go get a better job, or are they or or, or are they using it to uh, to get completely away from that sort of a thing and go live in the woods or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, or or is it anywhere in between?
3: I think it's all of the above. Actually, I mean, I've seen students, um, you know, they come into the classes and they're really shy and they're really hesitant. And they just, they don't have their, they have a really low self esteem. And as they begin to study the mind and understand how thought uh, creates your reality, I mean, they're able to land a job making twice as much money as they had before. They're able to actually find, uh, have the courage to talk to this gal or guy that they've been had a crush on for a long time, you know, (laughs) and, you know, and they were able to create and manifest and fulfill their desires in life.
1: So a lot of it is self-confidence related to begin with, at least. I
3: think so. A lot of it has to do with just recognizing your, your people come and they, they find a greater sense of value and self-worth and they recognize that they, yeah, they can create just about anything, uh, in anything, in fact, anything and they want in their life. Um, one of the master teachers here at the college is, is so big on you know if you can imagine it you can do it you know mm-hmm. it's right. just a matter of of aligning of the minds and, and finding the right people to help you out mm-hmm. and um, it's it's entirely possible.
1: Yep, and I I uh, you know, I'll tell you a quick story if you don't mind it sure. it, it it it's so it's so much like that the real life and uh, one of the things that I realize. In my own life, I was, um, I'm, I'm a married guy, and I have a young son. I have a 10-month-old son. And um, a year ago, uh, my, my, uh, my wife was seven, eight months pregnant or so, and I was looking for a home uh, for us to buy. And I have a, a sketchy economic history, um, and I don't have great credit and all that sort of stuff. And I was all, you know, all worried: Are we going to be able to find the right house and all this stuff? Well, one day I was out looking around, and I didn't have a realtor; I just was driving around, and um, I found the I found the house, right? I mean, I found the house, and, and um, I was looking at it from. It has a little pond in the back of it, and I yeah. I was looking at it from the backside of this pond, and I was just staring at the house, and I thought to myself, I can do it. I can, I, can, I can get this home. I can do this for my family somehow. Now, I had no idea how I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. And what I explained to my wife when we talk about this stuff is that the first thing that had to be done in order for us to accomplish that was I had to have the thought. Yeah. if i didn't have the thought that i you know if i never had that one particular thought that said you can do this mm-hmm. um i never would have because nothing else would have ever manifested in my mind or my brain it would have been well that was a nice house it was pretty but i could never do it so i didn't yeah. walk away right. and 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 I did find, I won't go into the story, but I did find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been there for a year now. Literally today, we moved in August 15th of last year. Wow. And it's my birthday today, as a matter of fact, oh, too. I moved in on birthday. my birthday last year. So um, th- that's an example uh, for the people out there, in, in a very very real-world practical example mm-hmm. um, of, of this whole idea of the creator-created Sort of uh, dynamic where you actually participate in that future and you participate in that reality you're building. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah. uh, I just wanted to share that with you because it really reminded me of that when you said it. So, yeah,
3: I mean, uh, th- the way that it, I think it ties in with the mind is that um, the mind, uh, once you you create a, an image in your mind of a desired condition, it, it puts the minds to work for you. You mm-hmm. know. Um, It engages your subconscious mind, and and through your subconscious mind, you're drawn to the right people, the right situations, Mm -hmm. and the right conditions in order for your image to become a reality. Right. And... um,
1: Very good point. And, and, And another perfect example is the fact that you and me are talking on the phone right now. Right. You know, in other words, we somehow we were connected. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't familiar with you before yesterday. I wasn't familiar with Kelly before last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a sort of gravitational thing or something happens yeah. where this like-mindedness or something tends to uh, uh, tend to draw towards one another. And, then, and, then, and those are the people that end up being a part of helping your own uh, cause or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's crazy because you see it on the... You see the opposite side of it, too. You know, you see... Um, uh, and I, I hate to put names on it, but the the one that comes to mind is Donald Rumsfeld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just pops in mind. But, you know, you also get the, the, the opposite effect where you get the uh, people that are tending towards, and I won't say good or bad, but I don't like to use words like that because mm-hmm. I think that, that that's putting a, an ethical judgment on it, and I'm, I'm not prepared to do that. I think, yeah. I think that heroism comes in lots of different shapes and forms, and, mm-hmm. and uh, morality and ethics are something that, is a judgment made from outside, but in any case, uh, it seems like this birds of a feather thing. Yeah. Th- there really is something to it. So
3: I agree. Um, we teach it as, one, as some of is how the universal laws of creation work, and that whole idea that birds of a feather flock together is is one of the those universal laws, and mm-hmm. it's it's pretty amazing to observe in your life. And it's just the idea. One of the things that that is kind of I don't know, that people don't understand is that there is a structure to creation and there is a, an underlying foundation that we all stand upon and uh, that is the universal laws of truth. and truth. Um, there is such thing as truth and people can find it. <laughs> I know. Wow, there is a, there's
0: a, there's a,
1: there's a poignant statement right there. Mm-hmm. I think we should repeat that. There is such a thing as truth people and you can find it mm-hmm. and the search is actually quite a bit of fun too yeah <laughs> and in fact i think that that's more uh, at least in uh, from f- from my own personal perspective it's not look i've been looking for answers my whole life mm-hmm. and i found some and i found some that were wrong and that i changed and that i thought they were right and they weren't and then i thought the next one was right and it wasn't and i keep looking but but the uh the journey is just as fun as the destination and i think a lot of the masters have told us that over the years yeah
0: so.
3: You know it's it's like you know I can be here on the phone and broadcasting over the airwaves and and presenting truth as I see it and and really the only way that any individual can uh, know the truth themselves is through their own studies, their own personal experience, their own um, their own study of it. I would encourage I would encourage I always encourage. Anything that comes out of my mouth that I'm teaching, I want my students to prove to themselves. Hmm. I don't just want them to... I do want them to absorb the, the idea and to be open to it. I also want them to take it a step further and prove it to themselves so that they can be a knower as well. And it's not just they're not just following me blindly, you hmm. know?
1: Yeah, one of, one of the things actually that Kelly and I were talking about before, um, before we went on the air was... Uh, the difference between experience and um, knowledge from another level, from a book level, for example, or yeah. something. There, you, you, can, you can read all you like and you can learn, for sure, but there's something about the experiential side of it. When you actually experience it for yourself, that's the difference between th- believing or thinking and knowing. Mm-hmm. And when you know, I guess that's what we're looking for. You want that internal knowing because mm-hmm. that's when you get that's when you get focused and that's when you get unconflicted thought because you're not doubting. You don't have doubt. Yeah, that's right. So, very cool. Really interesting stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Really interesting stuff. So, what what what, uh, what took you out of town? What are you doing there in uh, in Windyville?
3: Well, I um I uh, I attend a, a, a monthly class here in the, at our world headquarters and um, where I, I take my classes, my classes are here at World Headquarters and okay. I attend them once a month and I spend the rest of the month studying them and um, deepening my understanding of whatever lesson I'm on. And uh, the classes here, I mean, from day one, they're very structured and they're step by step. It's like a step by step program towards a greater enlightenment all the way, even if you've been studying for, you know, like myself, I've been studying for eight years even until the end, until you earn your doctorate, it's still a step-by-step program that, that's, um, that you follow and it, and it works. It's, it's pretty amazing. So, yeah, I have my class here in Wendyville once a month and um, um, get a chance to get in touch with people that I haven't seen in a while and it's, it's kind of like, like my home away from home. <laughs>
1: wow. You know, John, if you don't mind me asking a personal question... And you've been, you, you, you mentioned you've been studying this stuff for eight years.
3: Mm-hmm. You
1: also mentioned that you're uh, 25, or I think you said 25 or 26 years old.
3: 25, yeah. Okay,
1: 25. So you started getting interested in this stuff when you were 17, 18 years old.
3: Yeah, actually, I was, it was like um, I started searching when I was 16 for something, you know, for <laughs> truth. That was my main focus, is I wanted to know the truth. I was, I was praying. I found you know i was i did a born again Christian and i found jesus and and Jesus then led me to the school of metaphysics and you know it's all been history ever since and that was all before right before I turned seventeen that I found this place
1: <laughs> well wow, well you were you were a quite precocious young man i I, I must say yeah. and and you uh you 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 come off uh your voice and you and the way you speak uh comes off much more mature than the typical twenty five year old i must say yeah um so i i i uh I, that's that, that's, that's, a, that's meant to be a compliment thank so. you
3: <laughs> I appreciate that it's, it's, it's actually taken me it's, it's been a lot of work you know um, one of the coolest things about studying at the School of Metaphysics is that it's work <laughs> you know and some people uh, shy away from work and hard work and, and this is something that it causes you to stretch it causes you to grow mm-hmm. and um, I just strive to be a living example of, of the work that I've put into this and Work that I continue to do, and I'll probably do for the rest of my life.
1: So. Right. Well, you you uh, you hit another another thing, and uh, there there are no easy roads. Yeah. That uh, the, the uh, if if it if it sounds too good to be true, it probably probably is. is. Yep. That's right. And 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 most most of the things that are worthwhile do require hard work. There's no question about it. Um, I, it, it, it's just it's just the way it is. Nothing uh, nothing comes easy that's worth it. So so. All right. Well, listen, we're at the top of the hour here, and, uh, boy, that first hour went by actually really quick. Um, Let me ask you if you plan on staying with us here, if you want to hang around for a little while longer, or...
3: I would. I would like to inter- interpret a couple of dreams if there's anybody out there who um, has some dream questions. Um, All right. Well, let's use us, tap us out. We got so much knowledge that uh, needs to be given.
1: <laughs> All right, you guys, you heard it. Uh, the phone number is 573 443 8255. That is the uh, the call-in line. So if you guys call in and you've got an interesting dream that you'd like to uh, have John and Kelly take a listen to and see if they can um, give you some insight into that, um, they would be glad to do that, and I'd be real interested to hear it too. So uh, we're going to take a break here uh, at the top of the hour, and we'll uh, play a song, and then we'll take some phone calls. Hopefully, if you're out there... You're not just laying in bed. You've got enough energy to roll over and grab the telephone and uh, call us at 443-8255. And we'll be right back in a minute with John and Kelly from the School of Metaphysics. And what are we going to play here? I think we'll play this old Aerosmith song. That's not an old Aerosmith song. That's a Dave Matthews song.
3: That's right. I
1: don't like that. I'm going to put put something else on i think that's the one i want right there i think see if that's better that's the one i was looking for okay enjoy this place you'll be talking about dreams tonight in columbia on klpn radio orbit and this is mike hagan i'm with john Cranshaw and kelly naylor from the school of metaphysics john you got you here yeah all right john's back with us and kelly i see you right over there and i know i got a signal coming across from you um we are going to open the phone lines up i told you guys before the break uh, so i'm going to tell you again right now the number is 573-443-8255. 573-443-8255. Three, four, four, three, five, five. And uh, give us a call, and you can describe what you've been dreaming about, and John and Kelly will listen intently and tell you what they see in that. Um, and uh, John and Kelly, for you guys, there—I tr- trust me, there are actually people listening. That's great. <laughs> but uh, I have... Uh, on call it's weird. Sometimes you get a lot of people to call in, and then other nights you don't get any. It depends on... Um, I don't know what it is, but, uh,
0: <laughs> but we'll, we'll,
1: we'll have to see if we can get anybody to call in. We'll, we'll keep talking about it here. And in the meantime, I actually have a dream that I would love to describe to you guys, and maybe you could, uh, maybe you could tell me what you think about it. Sure. All right, this... Um, and uh, for you people out there you 're welcome to break in time if I see that phone ring and i'll uh, i 'll cut short and um, and get you on the air here okay all right here 's the deal this is um, th- this John was the most and Kelly this is the most um, vivid dream that i 've ever had in my life. I remember it perfectly clear. I had it four years ago, and i 'm um, not uh, typically the best dreamer <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, well, I dream plenty, but i 'm not the best at remembering my dreams and even though I know a lot about the techniques to do it, keeping a little journal and, you know, the mental... Te- I'm, I'm, I just, uh, at this point, haven't really harnessed the mental side of it where I actually just do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've read a lot about it. I'm interested in out-of-body experiences and all this stuff. In fact, I want to ask you about that later. Uh, sure. There's a book uh, by a guy named William William Buhlman. It was called Adventures Beyond the Body, mm-hmm. which I read, and I'd like to ask you a couple questions about that later. Sure. In any case, okay. So I'm not the best dreamer. So the fact that I remembered this dream so vividly, and I have ever since I had it, um, I know it was an important dream to me. Um, and some, and, and it, it's it's been a lot of crazy things happened afterwards. But anyway, I just wanted to give you a little uh, a little background for it. So, so the dream is this: I'm in a room with a bunch of people that I don't know um, in the physical, but I know them over the web. Um, I, it's from a um, uh, like a news group that I belong to, and uh, I'm not really a news group, but you know, like a bulletin board. You know how there are different forums that are, uh, you know, for for different interests and stuff like this. Well, this particular group that I'm that I was involved in and still am a member of is called the Novelty Group, and the Novelty Group was a bunch of people that were uh, that got together to discuss time wave theory and the ideas of a gentleman um, whose name was Terrence McKenna, and I don't know if you're familiar with Terence. I'm not. Well, anyway, he, t- he Terrence died um, in the year 2000, and he and his brother Dennis um, were in the late 60s and early 70s. They went to South America and lived with some of the indigenous tribes there in the Amazon for a number of years and experimented with all the hallucinogenic plants and the rituals that they did, and they got very involved in the culture. And, um, and they had uh, some of the things that you've been talking about earlier tonight that that's what these guys experienced there. But again, through different means, you know, mm-hmm. through the indigenous culture. But again, they did have teachers, you know, the shamans and the uh, the elders of the tribes took them in and taught them their ways. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was a member of this group, the novelty group, and this is in, in the real world. I had the dream that I was with all of these people in this room, and I'd never met any of them, but I knew who they were because I knew them from the web. Um, we had... Again, in the real world, we had started a project to create a CD, a music CD, for, as a benefit for Terrence, because Terrence had a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the project actually got underway and uh, was in the process. In my dream, I'm in this room with all these people, and we're discussing this project. And, um, and I tell everyone, don't worry, it's going to be a huge success. And the next thing I know, I look on the counter, and I'm now in, I'm in my own house now. And on the counter there is a whole stack of CDs and a whole stack of orders. Uh, so it was obvious that, uh, that that the CD had been completed and that we were selling a bunch of them and that the benefit was going well. Mm-hmm. Then in the dream, a crow or a raven comes up to me and starts talking to me mm. and. I I don't particularly remember what he was saying or what she was saying, but it was like talking to my best friend or something. Yeah. You know? And uh anyway, um the uh then the crow went away. It just left. It flew flew away. Mm-hmm. And and that was it. And then and then I woke and then I woke up. All right. Um now before I tell you what happened the next day, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you okay. t- tell me. And I'm not trying to set you up for a trap or anything, but I, no. but I can't tell you what happened the next day because it'll ruin probably what you're going to tell me. All
0: right.
1: So, so anyway, that's what it was, and it was in color, and it was very vivid, and it was, um, it's still t- today clear, very clear to me.
3: All right. Um, Kelly, do you want to take it from here? you want to go ahead and interpret the stream?
2: Go first.
3: All right. Um, the first part of the dream is uh, people always represent aspects of yourself, different ways of thinking that you have. And this particular group of people is are um, they're parts, their they're ways of thinking that you have that are wanting to understand um, uh, things that are beyond the physical. You, you want to understand yourself. And, you know, they're very inquisitive types of, of people. Would that be true? Yep. The, the people that are in the dream. They oh, represent yeah, no, different. No question about. It. Yeah, so they represent the way that the ways in which you're inquisitive, the ways in which you are doing that you are uh, searching for truth, and um, there's also a way. Uh, was this music? Was it was a music CD that you were putting together.
1: Yeah, a music was, album? yeah, it was primarily a music CD with okay. with, with some overdubs of Terrence's speaking oh, okay. uh, over the music sometimes, but.
3: And there's also what this. Um, you are seeking to create greater harmony in your life and as a result of creating harmony you're um, experiencing greater value and self-worth and that's all symbolized the music symbolizes harmony Hmm. entrainment with the mind and then the money that's coming from the cell of the music is greater value and self-worth and so as a result of of searching for truth and inquiring into the, the nature of reality you're finding greater harmony within yourself and you're also finding greater value in self-worth uh, so that's what the dream the, the bird represents um, past life understandings um, that's they um, it's an animal that it isn't bound by gravity you know they can mm-hmm. fly that's kind of how subconscious mind is it's mm-hmm. not bound by the physical right. and uh, anytime you dream of birds it's symbolic of Past life understandings, things that come natural to you that no one taught you, that um, that you're using in the present day state, and um, you're you're becoming more aware of this particular um, understanding that you have, that uh, understanding of creation that you have. That's what the bird symbolizes.
0: Okay. Wow, very interesting. It's
3: very um, you know some dreams are precognitive, mm-hmm. some dreams are. They always give you a, a like a snapshot of your your waking thoughts mm-hmm. and attitudes the previous day. So really, that's why so, they're so, valuable. so they
1: tend to tie into the previous day. You think
3: that's correct? It's kind of like um, like tonight or you know today you'll have experiences you'll have thoughts about those experiences and tonight when you go to sleep you'll dream and your your dream will be a, like a mirror reflection of your consciousness this day and it's amazing because it, you can always find out the truth about who you are and, and what you're doing and what works and what doesn't and why you had a good day today and why you had a bad day yesterday and
1: so, you know, so I mean. even, even though a dream may contain an episode for example from the past or from mm-hmm. uh, the future or whatever even though it may include elements of that sort of stuff those elements are being used to describe the current Right. Situation,
3: and if you do tend to dream about the past a lot, then it means that your mind tends to drift into the past, and it, you know, the past oh. kind of colors your perception today. Interesting. And uh, I used to have dreams about that all the time. I'd be back in high school, and it was true because I would, I would, you know, I, I would always have thoughts about what I did in high school and how I wish I had done things differently, and my teachers would work with me on a daily basis to bring more and more of my attention to the present moment, and I stopped having dreams about high school. I started bringing more of my attention to the present moment, so I started having dreams about the present moment. So it was kind of a it's kind of a, it's nice that way,
1: you know. And um, uh, before I ask Kelly what she makes makes of this, uh, I want to make a quick point about the present moment. Uh, that's something that we've kind of been dancing around all night uh, when we talk about focus and mm-hmm. non unconflicted thought and these sorts of things, but the idea is anxiety about the past or the future is doing nobody any good, mm-hmm. and uh, being here right now and doing whatever you're doing, regardless of what that might be, uh, doing that with intention and with focus uh, will, will really help you along this road.
3: Absolutely.
1: So, okay, Kelly, what do you think about... Uh, you, Do you you see anything significant?
2: Well, I think that John was pretty... I agree with him completely. There's not much more that I can add to that. Um, I think, like you said, that you were using um, knowledge that you have gained and um, permanent understandings that you have with creating harmony and and understanding that those kinds of creations would come to fruition and and those those came out in that moment. And um you probably use those a lot, and I yeah that.
1: okay, well, what happened the following day, what happened um, was Terrence died, actually, he died that morning. Um, he died at about five a m that morning i couldn 't tell you what time I had the dream, the dream I probably had sometime after midnight, and he died within a few hours um, and i didn 't realize it until the next morning. Um, I had a dog at the time. My dog died a couple years ago, but uh, he's awesome. He was an old fellow, so don't worry. He was 16 when he died. Anyway, uh, me and Elwood, my dog's name was Elwood, and I used to take him for a walk every morning, and uh, we went for our walk in the morning. It was about 6 o'clock in the morning, and it was really cold. It was in, May, it was in April or May, and in Denver, Colorado, and it's kind of chilly in the morning. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, we were walking, and, it was, and it's really quiet that time of morning. It's one of those times, you know, I like to take walks in the early morning because it's before most of the people are up and the, the rat race gets going, you know. So anyway, we were walking, and my dog... We to, we'll, we'll, we'd only walk a short distance um, because he was so old and he couldn't walk very far. So we'd just walk around around the block. And we were coming up the sidewalk on the other side of the block, and he stopped. And uh, my dog stopped. And he, and talk, I mean, talk about intuition and stuff. I could tell you stories about my dog, you know what I mean? And, and I'm sure many other people could mm-hmm. um, because uh, the animals are involved in all this stuff too, just like the plants are, just like the rocks are, just like the trees are. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Um, Elwood stopped and looked up and had he not looked up I wouldn't have looked up and I looked up and right maybe 10 feet above my head was a big crow a big mm. raven just sitting there all by itself in the tree wow and and I thought holy uh, holy i can 't say it on the radio right <laughs> yeah. uh, and i, cu- I couldn 't because this dream was right in my mind, and I had just had this incredible raven sort of image in my dream, and there it was in the re- in the real world, right in front of me, just looking at me and uh, and then it flew away and I walked back to the house and i thought you 've got to be kidding me mm-hmm. and I went I went, to, uh, I went to work or whatever, and I checked my email and I found out later that day that Terrence had died that morning mm-hmm. and i 've never and, I mean, it's, uh, it's something that I still have yet to really uh, reconcile. I mean, that doesn't bother me. I love it, to be honest. I think it was an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. And I know that, uh, uh, that it, you know that I experienced it for a reason. But anyway, that's, that, that, that's sort of the end of the story. So,
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I'm actually going to interview his brother, Dennis, mm-hmm. in uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, that should be a really, really interesting interview. in fact, it might be something that you guys would be interested in yeah. sure, so maybe i 'll try to get you a copy of it or something yeah. oh by the way uh, that, that that reminds me let's let 's let's, uh, the phones by the way, everybody are four four three eight two five five if you want to call in and find out. Uh, uh, what John and Kelly think about about what you're dreaming. That was actually very insightful for me, and I'm glad that I was able to have the opportunity to talk to them and, and, um, and ask them that question. So take advantage of this, you guys, uh, if you're out there and you have a question, call four four three eight two five five, 8255. And the website is uh, som.org, www.som.org. And what was the other one, John?
3: It's called uh, www.dreamschool.org dot o r g.
1: Okay, dreamschool dot o r g.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, you can uh, get involved there and see what uh, see what these guys are all about. So okay, twenty after the hour, we're going to take a short music break here, and uh, let you guys get up and put some clothes on and get to the telephone so you can call John and Kelly. Um, hey, by the way, I also archive this stuff on the web, you guys, um, and uh, this. Interview within a week or so will be available on the web. So what you might do, uh, John, I may, if, if you'd like, I'll, I'll uh, send you a copy or something and if you guys, or I can just direct you to that link and if you guys want to direct your... Uh, uh, students or anybody that might be interested, if they want to hear this interview, um, they could hear it live over the well, not live obviously, but they can hear it archived um, and streaming over the web. Okay. So that's cool. That way, um, even if uh, even if we don't have um, a whole lot of people listening tonight, we'll definitely get a lot of people listening over the web because mm-hmm. I, um, believe it or not, I have I have I have got. A pretty good listenership over the web already. So. Good. So, anyway, okay, well, actually, we got a call coming in. Can you believe it here? Hold all on right. a second. Okay, this should, let's see if I just push this. It should work. Hold on a second. All right, call. Are you there?
3: Yeah. Um, Hi, who's this? Uh, my name's Deborah. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I just wanted to let you all know that you do have a listener. <laughs> well, right. Thank I you, Debra. I a Deborah. hold of my dream journal
5: that um, I have some of my papers kind of mixed up, so... Um, I just wanted to let you all know somebody's listening.
1: Well, thank you, Deborah. We appreciate you sure there's not something real quick that you'd like to ask uh, uh, to tell right. you or John? I'm so tired right now. I'm just going to go
4: to bed.
1: All right. Well, go, go, have a, go have a nice dream then, okay? Okay. All right. Take care of yourself.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> That's good to nice. know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, but there's one. Usually when there's one, there's more. So uh, we will do this. We will take a break and play um, play this song by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. This is like one of my favorite songs. It's called Red Right Hand, and uh, we'll be right back with John and Kelly and your phone calls in just a second. This is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM. (laughs)
0: The trap where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as a ship and crack where secrets lie in the border lines and the humming wires amen. Yeah, you know, you're never coming back across the square, across the bridge, across the mills,
4: across the stacks.
0: On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Wrap you in his arms, tell you that you've been a good boy. He'll you a lifetime to destroy. We'll reach deep into the hole, heal your shrinking soul, but there won't be a single thing
1: PN radio orbit you 've been listening to me Mike Hagan talk with Kelly Naylor and John Cranshaw for the last little bit and we 're going to be talking for about another half hour or so here uh, John we got you there yeah okay cool and there 's Kelly hey um Kelly and I were talking a little bit during the break and uh, uh, let me give the phone number out again real fast, uh, 443-8255. You guys got, you got a half hour left if you want to have some interesting uh, talk about your dreams. 443-8255, give us a call. Um, Kelly told me that I, should, uh, 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 that, that I should follow up with this. And the dream that I had, I had this sort of intuitive knowledge or what I felt uh, was um, that this crow actually res- represented Terrence, the guy who actually had died and that's just what it felt like to me Mm -hmm. and and what I wanted to point out was that even though that wasn't something that you came up with initially with your interpretation that 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 is not that big of a deal in other words these things happen on many different levels yeah, and maybe you could talk about the ab- about that and about how how these things can have meaning on many different levels. Because like for me, dream dreaming uh, on on one level for me it's just a part of it's just part of the walkabout. You know, uh-huh. I mean, I, I I get up in the morning, I go to the mailbox, and then I go dream or whatever. It's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that at different levels that these dreams can. Uh, provide lots and lots of information. So maybe you could talk, John, a little bit about these levels and things.
3: Sure. Um, I think the place to begin is the whole idea that dreams are. I I think this is the best way to put it. The dreams were not intended to be taken literally. I mean, I think I think a lot of people can agree with that. I think there's a majority of people with can agree that dreams are definitely not literal. Okay. They are symbolic, and they are communicated in what's called the universal language of mind, which is a language of pictures. And the pictures represent certain mental functions, and there it's based on it's a language that's based on function. You know, like if you ever have a a, a symbol that you want to understand, you just ask yourself, well, what's the function of this of this object? And that will give you insight as to what the symbol, what it means in the language of mind.
1: Hmm, interesting.
3: Um, that's, that's the, I think that's the first level that I look for when I begin interpreting dreams, is the functionality of each symbol, each object in my dream.
1: So a, uh, um, as an example, maybe from both sides of the spectrum, a, um, a heart or a gun, mm-hmm. what th- those would, would indicate what?
3: A gun represent. a gun is, the function of a gun is to, is to kill something, mm-hmm. whether it be, it doesn't matter what it is. It's usually, the reason that guns were created is to kill. Um, so death, then you look and see, well, what, what's death in a dream language? Mm-hmm. And death symbolizes change and transformation of energy. And so you, and so the function of a, the the symbol of a gun is the symbol of a, it's your ability to change. It's Hmm. a tool for change. Interesting. Okay. So um, the heart, though, I guess it's it's the symbol of. You think of what you know. The heart is the symbol of love, of dedication and commitment, and understanding, compassion. So. That's what a heart would symbolize. It's kind mm-hmm. of it's almost literal, not quite.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay.
3: And then there are some dreams that uh, foretell the future. And those dreams are kind of twofold. They have a dual meaning. In that um, they, part of the meaning is to literally foretell the future. And part, the other part of the meaning is to lend you insight as to what you're thinking and what your consciousness is like. So that you can ultimately learn from it and uh, usually people who have precognitive dreams are very intuitive and uh, very in tune with their own subconscious mind
0: mm-hmm. now,
1: okay. there's
3: different meanings on, mm-hmm. that, on that level
1: okay very interesting how about um, how about lucid dreaming
3: okay
1: let's talk about that for a minute is sure. that cool
3: yeah I'd like Kelly would you would you take over from here and share your wisdom and knowledge about dreams? She's shaking her head saying, yep, I'd love to. Go for
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lucid dreaming is um dreaming while you are awake, in essence, and being conscious of your dream state, being able to move in your dream state with awareness. Okay. As in to choose to make change. What do you want to know?
1: Well, um... Okay. First of all, how do you know when you're lucid dreaming? Have in other dream. words, if a person is having a dream, what would be what would be the uh, um, the distinction between a regular dream and a lucid dream during the dream?
2: Well, a very simple indication is: um, Are you making a choice in the dream? Okay. Say we're speaking in the dream, and I decide that. Um, i want you to change you, you, the aspect of myself that you represent like my clothes or... <laughs> i want you to change in some way that could be an expression okay. um, so i um... i get rid of you I, like john said earlier to, to I, don't even, I don't want to be violent but just to use an example that we've just been speaking of i, I kill you in some way okay. i'm changing you to the aspect of myself and i'm doing that with consciousness okay. i say to myself in the dream you have to change.
1: Okay. So it's conscious awareness in while you're dreaming. Yeah. That would be basically a definition. is that you're having a dream and you realize that you're dreaming. And then you're able to manipulate the dream because you realize you're in a dream. Yes. If, if, if I just confused everybody thoroughly. Then. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's just being conscious of dreaming. I am dreaming.
1: Okay. Just being aware that you're dreaming.
2: But yeah, that's, that's the beginning stages of it.
1: Okay. And once you realize that then... Um, what does it give you the ability to do, Ap- apparently change, change that dream?
2: Well, yes, change change the dream, um, which in essence is changing your own thought patterns, your own self, making changes within yourself.
1: Okay. So lucid dreaming could be used as a tool for lots of different things then. Sure. In other words, it could be used as a tool um, in general.
2: Yes. Yeah, for or so. to be
1: used for fun, maybe.
2: For, well, <laughs> you have to be careful, though. I mean, there is a certain amount of responsibility.
1: Okay, well, um, let's talk about that, maybe, because um, because I've had a dream, for example, where I can fly, or where I where I'm fl- where I'm where I'm falling, and I realize as I'm falling mm-hmm. that I'm dreaming. This is one of the few lucid experiences that I've had, and as I'm falling, once I realize it, then I just tell myself, okay, just fly. I,
2: and you do, and I
1: boom, I, I'm gone. That's right? wonderful. Yeah, so I'm, um, and it's f- very pleasant. Yeah, you know, it's a really cool feeling, and it's like, uh, it's it's awesome. And so for for, I can almost see that if it was something that I were able to repeat, uh, at will, mm-hmm. I'd probably, um, start to explore. The fun side of it too, and I and and I want to find out if we're we're, are we breaking any cosmic rules (laughs) or what are we doing?
2: (laughs) No, no, no. I will give you this example though. Okay. Um, There is a an instance that I know of where a man was dreaming about uh, a big tiger in his dream, and he was scared of the tiger. And consciously, he made the choice to shoot the tiger to kill the tiger. And what he discovered upon waking. Um, over a matter of his experience in his waking life was that he had destroyed his five-mile-a-day five running habit. So really, it kind of sheds some light on what you do, the kind of consciousness that you need, because you don't want to take away your five-mile running habit if that's something that's dear to you.
1: Right, right, right. So. Okay, so it's this idea that everything is not exactly what it seems, and you may be affecting something uh, without realizing that you're affecting it
2: sure how, how well do you know yourself and your thoughts
1: right you know? right right sure. right so though okay so so to me that would that would mean that and don't don't get me wrong i think that the, the uh using this as a consciousness expanding and uh uh you know a personal development tool is great too and i and, and i think that that's what obviously it can be used for oh, absolutely but for whatever reason I keep thinking about flying and how much fun it was <laughs>
2: <laughs> flying is fun flying right. is a symbol that you use your willpower right um, and there's freedom using your willpower because it gives you the freedom to create whatever you want and that's enjoyable that has value that's great fun that's right part of the best thing about being human
1: and s- could you um, does it make sense to sort of have like a general rule in your dream kind of like you have a general rule in your waking like don't harm things or I mean does that make sense or um, or would that be something that is not really required or necessary?
2: No, I, I think that when you start getting into things like rules and, and yeah. things like that, it kind of defeats the purpose of understanding, okay. understanding your own thoughts you
1: very know? good answer
2: yeah,
1: very good answer, yeah, I think the rules are what we 're trying to get away from yeah
2: mm-hmm. it 's about knowing self that's the essence of dreaming is that it's it 's one of the greatest tools available to us um to understand ourselves to know what we think your dreams tell you what's been going on in your in your thought patterns the past 24 to 48 hours your dreams uh, your subconscious mind is saying hey you've been like in your case you've been flying you've been using your willpower yeehaw mike we're (laughs) very proud of you let's have a beautiful let's experience it in a beautiful way yeah
1: okay all right well excellent Excellent. John, you still with us there? Sure.
3: I'm right here.
1: Okay. Well, lucid dreaming um, uh, is something that uh, I'm very interested in because I have experienced it a few times, and um, and it's something that I think that more people, if they understood it, would probably be very interested in it because, uh, like we're talking about here, there are lots of different levels about how you can experience it and how it can uh, benefit you, your life, um, and you can also uh, enjoy it. Um, so it's pretty cool stuff and it's not that difficult and maybe, um, maybe you could tell us uh, some techniques uh, to try to help people uh, try it. I know that it's not real hard if you have a little bit of self-control and a little bit of discipline and uh, can, can follow a couple of pretty relatively simple guidelines.
2: What do you think, John?
3: Well, I think that I mean the number one thing you need for a greater dream awareness is the ability to concentrate. What happens is, uh, as you focus your mind throughout the day, you carry that focused mind with you into the dream state, and you're then able to um, function in the inner levels of subconscious mind in the same way you function in the physical, which is focused and directed and, and in control. And so that that would be the first step in learning to take control of your dreams. Um, actually, the first step before that is to learn the dream language mm-hmm. so that when you're confronted with this huge tiger and um, you have the opportunity to kill the tiger in the dream, you know exactly what it means by killing it and you know what mm-hmm. effects it's going to ripple out in your waking state. See, and you know, that's kind of why we have a little bit of caution sometimes.
2: Yeah, right. That's what I mean by responsibility. Too. Okay. Yeah.
3: Well, that
1: that that's quite a thing, though, because the la- the language... Well, I have a couple questions. First of all, h- how was the language developed? Who, how do we know that the language is re- is right? I guess is my first question. And where did it come from? And um, the second question, I guess, is uh, is it com- how co- is it general or how complicated? Is it, is it a language like English? I mean, hopefully not, you know. Uh, or or is it symbolic primarily? Um, and how do we maybe you could just discuss that a little bit
3: kelly why don't you do that you're the, you're the language of mind uh... student okay. the major i think
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, well the the universal lang- it's called the universal language of mind okay. because these are symbols that have been um, studied and researched uh... within the school of metaphysics over the past thirty years or some odd more than thirty years, um, symbols that we found to be true and universal, as in a vehicle like a car or a canoe or an airplane or something like that, um, is a vehicle in any culture cross culturally in any time period, and a vehicle represents the body because its that's its function we are souls inhabiting bodies that walk around our bodies are our vehicles i agree with that so in that way no matter what culture you look at a symbol like a car it is universal
0: so
1: these are sort of archetypal
2: it's very Jungian in a way you're right yes okay in fact he was one of the the first um great philosophers to to bring it sort of into the consciousness of of everyone right he sort of opened that door for these kinds of things to be commonplace um it's a little about the history this is uh, research that's been done for a very long time and um, it's been compiled in such a way that it can be relevant to anyone at any time anywhere and so
1: and does it it I, it, it validates itself yeah. I think right once once you understand what these symbols mean then they and they start to make sense well then you realize that it does it, it kind of validates itself Sure Right, through experience
2: Sure, and even if you don't have uh, specific knowledge of everything Because there are, of course, many symbols in the world Right, who knows Um, everything,
0: right?
2: Yeah, (laughs) the the symbol of function is is really the key element to the language of mind Because everything has a function And in that way you can generalize, in knowing yourself, what that would mean to you Why your mind would choose to communicate with you that way So in that way it becomes personal you know um, yeah, does that answer your first question? yeah,
1: it no. does it does yeah. do and and it actually answers both, I think um, it is symbolic and it's an ongoing road. You have to begin to learn and keep learning, sure, so
2: language is where we get where we get confused, where we get frustrated, right um, there is no cross- cultural language our physical bodies speak languages and we all come from different places.
1: Wow, and that's an interesting topic in and of itself. Oh, indeed. I, yeah, indeed. I, I, personally, I personally believe there was a time when we did have that ability. There was a global language. Whether it was telepathic or not, we could argue, but I think, there was, I think there's evidence in the geologic record and in the historical record and in the uh, archaeological record, too, that, 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 that bears that
0: out.
2: Yes, it's true. And if you look also, mo- of all holy works that have ever <laughs> been written, in human culture since the beginning of time they're all written in a language that is what a lot of people would deem metaphorical or Mm -hmm. parables things that were functional so that they could be related and in that way it's they are also a universal language Um, very much so like the universal language of mind in fact you can use universal language of mind to transcribe or excuse me to translate any holy work that's ever been written because it is function right and it is
1: relevant to anyone. Wow. Well, we'll have to talk about that another time. That's uh, when we talk about the historical stuff and the way this ties in. I'm really interested in that. I tend to be, um, I'm, a, I'm a buff on the, on the ancient history stuff. I love it. And I, I think see. that there's so many answers there. Yeah. Um, so, hey, okay, that's a good time to take one last break here. We'll uh, play a tune and then we'll be back with... John and Kelly for the last uh, 10 minutes or so of the show and we'll give you guys one last chance to call in and then John will have uh, we'll have you guys wrap it up okay
0: Okay all
1: right this is Mike Hagen you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM that called? Violet or something like that. <laughs> anyway, this is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. It's 4.52. No wonder I can't remember names of songs or anything. And I'm with John Cranshaw and Kelly Naylor, who've been so, uh, so thoughtful and so cool for coming here and hanging on the show live with me. Uh, this whole evening for the last two hours, and we 've got about uh, four or five minutes left john and i 'm going to turn it back over to you and let you kind of give some finishing thoughts and uh, um, just wanted to say
3: thanks so you 're welcome i 'm really grateful for the opportunity to reach out to the to the listening audience there, whoever you are and wherever you are. The school of metaphysics is um, located uh, downtown Columbia at 103 West Broadway. And uh, it's right across the street from Boone County Library, Boone County Public Library. Um, we offer classes in applied metaphysics. Uh, we, uh, we begin new classes each month. And uh, you can call us at 573-449-8312. We've got a couple of websites that you can visit with lots of free information, lots of articles and books you can download, and information about different services that we offer. The first one is our, is our main website called www.som.org. And the second one is www.dreamschool.org. And uh, tonight we talked about concentration, developing the mind, uh, the connection between the mind and the brain. Uh, we talked about dreams, the dream interpretation, the universal language of the mind. We talked about visualization, all kinds of different ways to develop the self through um, mental discipline and using the mind. And um, let see. Kelly, is there anything else that we uh, should wrap up with? I
2: think that
3: about covers it. All right.
1: Yeah, we um, Kelly and I were actually talking at the break there when we were playing that U2 song about a couple other things, and there are there's lots more to talk about um, this stuff. Uh, the historical connections and some of the uh, some of the ancient texts and stuff that uh, that sort of tie into this stuff are really interesting, and um, Kelly has a little bit of interest in that too, I think, and uh, that may be um, another reason to get back on the air here one of these days and talk about some more of this stuff. There is so much happening um, on so many different levels right now, uh, physically and, and non-physically. And um, I'm way into it all. I think it's really cool. And I think it's great that we have the opportunity to talk to people like you guys who are right in the middle of it. So um, uh, I appreciate it. And I guess... Uh, I guess we're going to finish the show here in a second. But, you guys, thanks very much for being here, and we'll have to do it again. Okay, John?
3: Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I really appreciate this opportunity.
1: Yeah, and uh, everybody out there, you guys, um, we'll uh, we'll do it again. You'll have a chance to call in again if you get some courage up. And um, we did actually have one pleasant woman that called in. Yeah, that was great. Anyway, (laughs) so uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Radio Orbit. I'm with you every Sunday from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. This is Mike Hagan. Stay tuned for Carol Greenspan doing Jewish Spectrum, playing some beautiful music for you every Sunday morning. And uh, Carol will probably be rolling in here every, every, or, uh, any minute now. She tends to be right about on time, though, because she likes to get every last minute of sleep she can get and, and have finish up those dreams uh, on, uh, on her own, I guess. <laughs> So anyway, okay, once again, Radio Orbit, KOPN 89.5 FM. Thanks. We'll talk to you all next week.
5: I tell you how I feel, but you don't care. I say tell me the truth, but you don't dare. You say love is a hell you cannot bear, and I say give me my back and then go there. For all I care, I got my feet on the ground and I don't go to sleep to dream. You got your head in the clouds, you're not at all what you seem. This mind, this body, and this voice cannot be. I have never been so insulted in all my life I could swallow the seeds, watch down all this pride But you
0: run like a fool
5: just to be at my side And now you run like a fool but you just run to hide and I can't abide I got my feet on the ground and I don't go to sleep to dream You got your head in the clouds, you're not at all what you seem
0: This mind is body and this Lord's cannot Bye.
5: Don't you believe me okay, don't bother to explain Don't even show me your face, cause it's a crying shame Just go back to the rock from under which you came Take the sorrow you gave and all the stakes you claimed And don't forget the blame I got my feet on the ground And I don't go to sleep to dream You got your head in my clouds and you're not at all
0: P.N. and Mojo's present V.C.R., the Afro Nuclear Waveability Funk Swing
3: Reggae band at Mojo's on Friday, August 27th, doors open at 8 p.m.
0: BCR will set the cosmic dance in motion. More information is available at KOPN.org or Mojo'sColumbia.com. That's V.C.R. live at Mojo's, Friday, August 27th, doors open at 8 p.m. V.C.R. VCR.
4: Good morning. You're listening to 89.5 FM, the Missouri Source for in-depth news, diverse talk, and music of the world. It is more than radio. It is community radio, KLPN, Columbia, Marshall, Speed, and all surrounding communities. And thank you to Mike and Kelly for such an interesting show. I just heard uh, the last little bit of it, and I wish I had been awake to hear more. So those of you who heard the whole thing, were you ever lucky? And I'd like to start this morning's uh, Jewish Spectrum. Uh, I'm Carol Greenspan, your host, with uh, a recording uh, that has samplings from the voice of Yesel Rosenblatt, and the greatest, considered the greatest cantor of, of all ages, uh, uh, who knows, going back hundreds of years, we don't have recordings of those, but a great, great cantor. Uh, and uh, Eric Rudeck, uh who um, has put together the rest of this. We have Shir Hamalot. Shir Hamalot is uh, one of the uh, songs... One of the uh, songs, basically, of of David, and it's uh, a psalm. It's uplifting. Shir HaMalot and Yesela Rosenblatt. Actually, his real name, of course, was Cantor Joseph Rosenblatt.